So what do you like at listening? You a good listener? Apparently there is a group of people who are much better at listening than others. They, they are quite good at sitting down with their friends, chatting, listening, talking. There's a technical name for them. We call them women. But um, apparently, I mean, I, apparently you can actually listen and do something else. I can't listen and do anything else. If I'm, if I'm reading or if I'm on my phone... It doesn't matter, I just can't hear. I don't know why that is, because like, the ear is open, I've not deliberately blocked it, the sound waves are presumably coming through, but I'm just not registering anything. Occasionally blokes, blokes they, don't, they don't do what, I don't call it listening really, I call it monitoring. So it's, it's sort of an, an active listening. This is a special skill you need to develop if, if you're a bloke and you know, you're married or you've got a girlfriend. Uh, so what, what happens is, they're speaking and... Uh, What's going on is there's a subconscious recording mechanism in your head, yeah? even though you're paying no attention, which is triggered by the words, you haven't heard a thing I've said, have you? At which point it kicks in and you can automatically play back word for word what has just been said by them. But do you listen? Are you a good listener? Because this is a parable all about listening. Listening to God's word. There can't be anything more important, can there? There can't be anything more important than listening to what the the God of the universe says to us. From the outset, Mark's made very clear in his gospel, his book, that the big news in God's word is the person of Jesus. That, That he is God's rescuing anointed king, the Messiah, come to bring in God's kingdom, to bring people under the rule of their loving heavenly father. And we've seen in Mark's gospel Jesus do extraordinary miracles to prove that. We've seen him teach in an incredible way. We've seen him reach out and cleanse the uncleanable. He's hung out with the unacceptable. He's demonstrated extraordinary love. And the way that he says you come into his kingdom is by listening. Listening to a word, a message about Jesus that's preached In fact, he's emphasized that because back in chapter 1, Capernaum had kicked off big time. It was Miracle City and everyone was clamoring to get more of Jesus Christ. He goes away to a quiet place. His disciples go, let's go back to Capernaum, Jesus. You are big news there. And then he says this in Mark chapter 1 and verse 38. It's, It's up on the screen. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Preaching. Words. I mean, it all seems rather disappointing, doesn't it? I mean, if I did a few healings up here this morning, I expect you'd be on the edge of your seats. But for the next 25 minutes, I've just got to hold you with words. But, but that is the way that God brings people into his kingdom. They hear his word. And when his word goes out, there are all sorts of different reactions to this word about Jesus. And those are recorded in this most famous, maybe, of parables, the parable of the sower. Or perhaps some people call it the parable of the soils. Because the different soils record different reactions to Jesus. The weird thing is, this parable tells us exactly what will be happening at the moment. You will all fit into one of these categories. So here's the, the first thing we see. This parable teaches us what happens when God's word is spoken. What's happening now? In chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus is teaching by a lake. Another huge crowd has gathered around him. It was so large, he got into a boat and sat in it out in the lake while all the people 
were along the shore at the water's edge. And he tells them a story. It's a scene they'd have known well. The farmer scattering the seed. And in Jesus' day in Israel, they scatter the seed everywhere over all sorts of different surfaces. It would be ploughed in and then they'd see what the results were. And for us, brilliantly, Jesus tells us what this seed scattering story is about. Because he tells us in verse 14, do you see that down there? The farmer sows the word. And the different soils, they're different reactions to the word of God. And as we've traveled through Mark's gospel, we've seen some of those reactions already, haven't we? There's been the scribes and the teachers of the law, the religious authorities hardened to Jesus. Already in chapter 3, verse 6, they've decided to kill him. We've seen the the people coming because they they love the fact that Jesus can heal. But but they don't don't seem to stick with following him when it gets a little bit tough. We've seen these clueless disciples wanting to find out more. We've seen different people, different needs, different reactions to Jesus. Here's the first group of listeners. Have a look at verse 15 of Mark chapter 4 with me. And he describes them. He says, some people are like seeds sown along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. See, there'll be those who hear the the word of God, the good news about Jesus, and it goes in one ear and out the other. Because the devil, Satan, he loves nothing more than to rob people of the message of the compassionate God who sends his son to die to forgive them. He loves them. Loves to take that message from people and keep them thinking that life is really about them. Someone was telling me recently how they they brought a friend to church and the, the sermon, the message had been quite hard hitting. It had talked about the seriousness of rejecting God and our need of forgiveness and how God had won that forgiveness through Jesus' death at the cross. And they thought, this, this is quite uncomfortable. It can be a bit tense in the car on the way home. But um, perhaps, I'll, perhaps I'll try and ask them a question. So they got in the car, a little bit tense. They were anyway, and they said to their friend, um, so, so what did you think of the service? Thinking, that was hell, fire and brimstone. And their friend went, oh, wasn't it lovely? Lovely, brilliant, in one ear, out the other. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe the Bible's opened up and it just leaves you cold. <laughs> you actually probably stopped listening to me already. <laughs> That'll be some people here, maybe. There's a second group. Do you see them in, in verse 16 and 17? Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Oh, these people, they're determined to follow Jesus. This is for me, they say. There's an outward glow, a joy, but there doesn't appear to be much root. So while Jesus gives them, say, a bunch of exciting new friends, while they love turning up in a crowd and singing some great songs, while he makes them feel better about themselves, yeah, they'll run with Jesus. But when following Jesus leads to trouble or to persecution well that reveals where their true loyalties are so when following Jesus means being honest in all their dealings at work or when it means that a a loving Christian friend challenges them about their behavior when following Jesus causes them troubles they pack it in 
Or when following Jesus leads to a, a hard time from friends or family. You know, they make those subtle snipes about you taking your religion too seriously. You're not one of those fundamentalists, are you? When following Jesus in some places means risking jail rather than stopping telling people about him, well, they opt for the quiet life. There's an interesting article in uh, my newspaper yesterday. You can tell I'm a Telegraph reader because the article's about the tattler. It was about what is socially acceptable in polite circles. Apparently, it's socially acceptable to do anything. The headline is, get drunk but don't talk God. So you can get absolutely hammered. Public displays of getting rip-roaring drunk are perfectly acceptable because it enlivens the mood for anyone. Also, snogging's okay. Tatler says, snogging in front of others in these meaner and more frightening times is now rather cheering. Have a little snog with your beloved in front of a group of people. You'll make them feel happier. (laughs) However, religious fervor is plain bad manners. It's fine to do the alpha course, just don't bore others about it. You know, persecution comes. Oh, no, just go for the quiet life. I was chatting to a guy this week, actually, and he's just started to take the Bible more seriously, trying to live out God's word, and he said he was out with some mates, and they just, they gave him some banter. It was, it was all under the heading of banter anyway, but you know when banter has a bit of an edge, it just wasn't very nice, they were basically saying, mate, you've become a loser. What happened to the fun you? You're just taking this Jesus stuff too seriously. And he, he was hurt by that. Now, when the trouble of the persecution comes they stop look at this third group they they come in verse 18 still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word making it unfruitful I think these are believers they're following Jesus they've taken root but then the world crowds in and in the end there's no fruit in other words they don't really see their friends start to be interested in the Christian faith they themselves aren't growing in their knowledge and love of Christ. Their lives aren't looking that different. You see, they won't tell their friends about what they believe because they're, they're just worried about whether they will reject them as a result. The worries of this life, will they be socially acceptable? They care more about what their friends think of them than what their friends think of the Lord Jesus. And they don't see their relationship with God grow because really they're, they're focused on now and here. They're listening to the world around them. And they're deceived by wealth. They, they just think, well, if I just had a slightly bigger house or a slightly bigger extension or, or I need to earn money, otherwise people won't value me. Unless I can say what my job is, then, then I don't have a truly acceptable status in our world. And I need to stay at work longer if I'm going to get that promotion so we can afford next year's dream holiday. The deceitfulness of wealth. And they listen to the world more than they listen to the word of God. And that means they don't make church every Sunday because, hey, the kids have got to go to those sports clubs because everyone else's kids go to those sports clubs. Or the kids have asked to go to those sports clubs. And they're just not adult enough to say, no, we're going to church instead. And they've been busy shopping on Saturday anyway. So Sunday's the only day they get together as a family. You see, the word of God isn't their priority It gets squeezed out of their life. And so they don't bear the most precious fruit for a parent at all. Children becoming followers of Jesus. Because their children don't think being a Christian is that important. Because that's what they've learned from their parents' lives. 
Oh, they're, they're believers, but there's no fruit. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things. Is that you today? Uh, but listen, listen, there's a, a most wonderful last group in verse 20. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. If you take on the words of Jesus, if you hear them and you accept them, if you invest your life in what he says, you will produce a great crop. That's the message here. You will produce a great crop. You will make a difference. However weak you feel, however you feel your Christian life is a mess, if you listen to Jesus and you accept what he says, you will produce a crop. And the crop here, each of them is miraculous. In Jesus' day, a tenfold harvest. That would have been a bumper crop. So 30, 60, 100, all of them are just miraculous crops. I was chatting to a a friend this week. He's he's off to do a church weekend in Singapore. I got Sunderland a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) He got Singapore. Slightly different. The church was planted about five years ago, a group of 16 people planted the church Uh, some of them came from Australia they took the word of God so seriously they moved country they they left quite a lot of family behind they they changed jobs to tell people in Singapore about Jesus 16 people five years later he's going to speak at a church weekend to 1200 people the word of God is doing an extraordinary work throughout the world amazing fruitfulness if just we'll listen and accept it so that's what's happening as God's word is spoken well what is God doing as his word is spoken because that's actually the heart of this little parable often we think of parables as stories designed by Jesus to explain something and make it simpler well the problem is that's just not the case let me ask you would you have understood the parable of the sower without Jesus's explanation You'd never have got it, would you? You'd have gone, well, I wouldn't have got it. It's a nice sort of farming story. No, we need Jesus' explanation. Did you see why Jesus says he speaks in parables? Look down at the the middle of chapter 4, in between the the parable and its explanation of verse 10. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding otherwise they might turn and be forgiven do you see what Jesus is saying there are two groups one group's symbolized shown us by by the disciples and the people who come to him they want to know more and Jesus says the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you in other words if you come to me You hear the glorious news that God's king has come, says Jesus, and how you can be a member of his people. But actually, parables, they'll make it harder for people to understand. If you don't listen, if you remain on the outside, on the fringes, you'll hear the word of God, you'll hear the parable, but you won't get it. He uses that quote from Isaiah in in verse 12. Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament. He was given a job by God to go and declare to God's people both God's salvation and God's judgment. And God says to him, by the way, Isaiah, you're going to go and speak my word, but they're not going to listen. 
In fact, the effect of my word will be they're going to be hardened. They're going to reject you. See, parables bring a crisis in your life. They force you to listen or not listen. And for some people, as they hear God's word, he gives them the beautiful news about Jesus. But for other people, as they're half-hearted, they don't really care about God's word, he hardens them in their ignorance and their rejection. Parables force you to decide. Do I want to know more? Or do I not really care? I mean, this parable does, doesn't it? Do I want to listen? Or do I want to just go on living my slightly half-hearted, nominal Christian life? So what do you do with a parable? Well, well, what Jesus says here reminds us that if God is working as his word is spoken, you and I who, who are Christians, who are listening, we need to remember we're only listening and understand things because God has given us that ability. It's his kindness to us that, that we understand about Jesus through the Bible. And what if you're thinking, well, I'm not a Christian, Dad. How, how do I have any hope as I listen to God's word if, if you say it's, it's going to make it harder for me? Well, why not ask God to help? Why not say to him, look, Lord, I really do want to understand what you're saying about Jesus. Please, give me understanding. I know a number of people who've done that. They, they, they said, look, I came week by week and I, and I heard the Bible taught and it was interesting, but it just didn't resonate with me and I, I couldn't really get it for myself. And, and I went away and I prayed, Lord, please help me to understand what I'm hearing. And suddenly I began to find that the Bible did make sense in my life. And it was God's word to me. And I understood about the Lord Jesus Christ. Why not go away and do that? And see if the God of compassion brings you to know Jesus for yourself. Because there's one thing. If you haven't got it, do you know what what we need to do? It's the third thing for us to see. What should we do when we, we hear God's word? You got it? Listen. It's really, it's not very complicated. It's listen. Because the message about Jesus isn't hidden. It's not that God's deliberately keeping Jesus a secret. Jesus tells a little story about that. Did you see that down in verse 21? It came right off the parable of the sower. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought into the open. I mean, that's what we've seen in Mark's gospel, isn't it? Jesus has been walking around utterly, obviously, demonstrating he's God's king, doing things that only the Lord God himself on earth could do. Jesus isn't a secret. He's there. He's a lamp on a stand. He's there for all to see. And the question is, will you listen? In fact, that idea of listening is repeated again and again. So have a look at chapter 3 with me. Chapter 4, verse 3, rather. Chapter 4, verse 3. Listen, says Jesus. And the end in verse 9, he says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Or literally, it's just, listen. And then in verse 23, he says, if anyone has ears to hear, listen. And then verse 24, consider carefully what you hear. And why should you consider it carefully? Well, verse 24, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you in even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. In other words, if you come to God hungry to hear from him, God will always outgive you. 
He'll always give you more precious promises than you're expecting, more hope than you thought possible, more love than you think you could ever experience as he brings you good things about his son Jesus. With the measure you usually use to you, add even more. But, but if you come to God and his word expecting to get few answers, thinking it's a bit boring and largely irrelevant, if you don't even bother coming, well, even what you have that little understanding, that little faith, in the end, it'll be taken from you. It'll go. Now, here's our problem about listening. We don't live in a world of silence, do we? We're constantly bombarded by noise. It's not like listen to God's word or listen to nothing. Now, all the time, we're hearing messages. Most of our decisions are not based on reasoned thought. They're based on what we've taken on from our family, from our culture. And we just do it without thinking about it. I mean, here's a classic example. I've got an advert to play you for a minute. Here's a one-minute advert on something our culture says. Marie, can we have my little uh, little audio-visual entertainment? Katie, put a song on. Your choice this time. Can't explain all the feelings that you're making me feel. My heart's in overdrive and you're behind the steering wheel. Touching you. I was, I was in exactly that situation last Friday. We were going to Heathrow Airport, okay? So I went, went the back way. My sat-nav said, take this alternative route. But because I didn't have the dark art Volkswagen sat-nav, it had actually told everyone else to do that as well. So I just moved from one queue of traffic to another. But fortunately, I was playing Christian music. So it was going to be a happy time in my van. Was it heck? as we proceeded to argue about whether we were making mock of the female singer in the way we were singing, and I proceeded to argue with my wife about whether I was overreacting to the person making mock of the female singer in the singing. So we went for studied silence. But if I'd had a Volkswagen, it'd have been fine. And I'd have gone to the uh, Cathedral of Happiness and taken the Volkswagen for a test drive and experienced two true joy and then I'd have taken it home and driven it round for a while and it would have been blissful up until the point everyone kicked off again. But don't worry, I noticed then the next door neighbour has an Audi and his kids seem happy. You see, we listen to the world and the world bombards us with messages. So we don't even think about whether this will be a sensible thing to do. We just assume that getting a little bit of a better material good will make our life happier. 
We don't listen to, to God's words. So here's the question. What are the voices you're listening to? And is the word of God at the heart of it? Are you listening to the world? Its worries? Its deceitfulness of wealth? Its desire for other things? It'll tell you, look, you've got to sort it out yourself. You can sort it out yourself. You're the hope for your family and you're the hope for humanity. But you're not. And only the word of God will bring you face to face with Jesus. So will you listen? And if you're going to listen to to what God has to say in his word, that can't just be this on a Sunday, can it? And then to, to go out and then talk about the world again. The weather, the barbecue, the kids' sport, all of those things. None of them are bad, but they're what dominate our conversation. We don't sound any different to the person who doesn't believe. We'll be those who hear the word of God, accept it, and rub it into our lives. Not just at a life group midweek, but will we talk Christianly to one another? Not just at the hub, but will we WhatsApp, not about just where we're going for a drink, but what we might discuss when we get there about the person of Jesus Christ? I mean, here's one idea. Why not take this message from Sunday and use the headings just to dwell on what God says in his word over the the first three days of this week each morning give five minutes thought to to what Mark 4 says to you about listening you see you're not in a world of silence you're in a world that's constantly bombarding you it's telling you your value is your body image the way you look so get in the gym Your value is your job, so get a career people look up to. Your value is your car or your house. I mean, it's so pathetic. And then it tells you, if you just give your kids the right diet, and you give them the right education, and you give them the right sports club, they'll turn out round, happy individuals. They might do. Can I tell you? They're round, happy individuals who'll stand before the king of all the universe, who'll hold them to account on one thing. Did they listen to God's word? And did they know the Lord Jesus Christ? They might be the best qualified, fittest, most popular child in the school, but if they know Jesus, one day it will be totally irrelevant. And do you want to know why the church in the West struggles? We don't listen. The deceitfulness of wealth, the worries of this life, the desire for other things, Do you think any of those things are going to give hope in London today? Oh, we've got a bomb issue. We've got a terrorist attack here in the town. By the way, have you seen my Volkswagen? My kids are in the county hockey team. Is that going to help? I just get really stressed and worried about it. Maybe if I keep my kids with me all the time, they'll grow up safe. Maybe, maybe if I'm, I, I can get, get a group of friends around me, then, then in the end I'll be secure in life. Did you really think that's going to work? Because why does listening to God's word make sense? Because Jesus tells these two parables. I just want to end with these two parables. The parable of the growing seed, down in verse 26 to 29. It's a simple story. It basically says the farmer goes out, he sows the seed night and day, whether he goes on holiday, whether he goes to bed, whether he gets up, the seed grows and there'll be a harvest. And the message is simple. It's this. God's word will do its work 
he will bring in his kingdom. It is inevitable. It is inevitable that God will bring people to follow his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, just think back. 2,000 years ago, Carpenter, Carpenter's son, largely discredited, tiny band of followers, gets himself killed by the religious authorities. They run away. And we're here today, 2,000 years later, 2,000 miles away. God's word will do its work. And it's going from small to big. That's the last parable, the parable of the mustard seed in 30 to 32. Mustard seed is a tiny, tiny seed. It grows into quite a reasonably sized tree. And Jesus is saying, look, you might feel like following me, it's a tiny, tiny thing, the kingdom of God. I mean, we've got infinitely more people here than the disciples had at this stage. Tiny, tiny thing. But I can promise you one day it's going to be huge. You see, why is it worth listening to God's word? Why does that make sense? Because God is going to grow his kingdom through it. And because though it might feel small now, one day it will be huge. It's actually happening all over the world today. There are something like 70 to 80 million Christians in China. Do you know what that would be like if it was in the UK? It would be like every person you're meeting being a follower of Jesus in the entire country. It's doing its work. And one day we'll all stand around the throne of Jesus. A multitude, the book of Revelation says, so great that no one can count from every tribe and nation and language before his throne. And all that will matter is, have you listened? Have you heard? Have you responded? Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you fruitful for him? Because you listen. And this is the primary issue that I think we all face gathered here today. Will we be those who hear the word of God, who accept it, who rub it into our lives, who are radically different as members of his kingdom, who are those who are confident in our future because our hope is in Christ, because we've listened. So will you listen? Will you listen? It's a real encouragement. Let me say to you, there are some of you I can see here today, it's a joy to see you here because we don't see you as much as we used to. Please, the Lord says to you, will you listen? Because one day that is all that will matter. That is all that will matter to you. I'm so thankful that you're here. Please, will you listen, says the Lord.